1: cast. Greetings. Hello. Um, hey, this is Jake. I am uh, pre-show, hanging out with uh, one of the other acts tonight. Uh, sort of musician-comedian hybrid uh, type, very Mishka-esque, I him to understand. Yeah. Nick Zachariah, correct? Yep. Yeah, got it. <laughs> Alright, we just met, but uh, I can tell we're the Sweet. same type of denim crust punk. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. welcome. Welcome. Um, yeah, so uh, that this this is thing is kind of true of Mishka, too, but when you say, like, musician comedy thing, there's a lot of bad...
2: Yeah. <laughs> God forbid I get mistaken for a guitar comedy.
1: Yeah, like, that's the first thing everyone thinks, and they think, oh, good lord, no. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Um, but that's not quite what you guys are doing. Right? No,
2: not at all. Like, I think I fit similarly in that alleyway with him. Of like, I'm not writing funny songs, but if you pay attention to the lyrics, some of it is so sad that it's really fucking funny.
1: Yeah, there's a kind of interesting oh, inversion shit. when he's uh, <laughs> when he's doing his act a l- little bit. Where it's funny because sometimes the audience, like, you can tell that they're like, "Am I supposed to laugh right yeah, now?" Right. And he doesn't really give them an inch. He just plays the song and then they figure out oh some of these are really fucking depressing Yeah, but then he tells a story in between them Mm. and uh, And yeah it
2: kind of lightens things up and yeah I realized that too like uh cause I was doing just straight music for like the first six months I started Uh, I dropped a demo tape not last year the year before um, and I was just kind of playing it straight at punk shows and everybody's like man that was a huge fucking bummer dude like yeah. we want to hear this hardcore band now <laughs> and I realized that I'd do way better if I'd like play with comedians and then have some okay-ish jokes in there like no one's expecting the guy with the guitar to be the funniest comic on the fucking lineup so <laughs> it kind of takes a little bit of the pressure off
1: yeah I guess as a performer you're always like working you're adjusting different levels on things and trying to figure out yeah. what balances everything out or whatever and like uh I definitely get what's going on with y'all's types of acts. And I'm, I oh, yeah. can also empathize because I'm... Uh, part of the reason I'm such a fucking pain in everyone's ass Jesus in the comedy Jesus. world is, is that I mean, maybe I'm not really the type that is a co- comedian usually. Like, I, <laughs> I I come from the fucking yeah. cross-punk house, you know? Yeah, for sure. And I'm very much uh, more, like, weird art-minded and mm-hmm. musically-minded and stuff. And so, like, I do weird stuff on stage that, that goes... That, moves people's brains in a different direction and stuff. It's like I totally get that. Um, but I, I mean, like what I mean, obviously I haven't seen you yet. Yeah. And so if uh, this maybe maybe you'll act will be so terrible I'll burn this tape, you know? <laughs> but uh but if I don't understand like what ilk you guys kinda are, it's like Yeah. There's kind of a nice uh, like balance counterbalance thing mm-hmm. especially when you watch mishka because he yeah i saw him do he, he cut all the songs out of his act one time did stand up and it was like he, oh man it, i would have loved to have seen that show it was funny because he's good his bits are good but i yeah. told him afterwards i was like if you don't have that thing where you go right into the song afterwards and it moves everything back in the depressing direction it's yeah. like weird like <laughs> that's how you work these bits you know
2: yeah oh yeah for sure like, I want to make a, an, a solid effort this year to, like, go do more stand-up without my guitar, because if a bit works without the guitar, it's going to slay with it. Because mm-hmm. you can sometimes get a eh, like a decent, well, not a decent, like a, a shitty joke you wrote on the drive over to the venue. You can sometimes get that to land because you're playing songs, and it's just a one-liner in between two songs. Yeah. it's It's kind of a crutch that I'm trying to get away from.
1: I wonder if someone could be, like both like high level at both oh yeah right like doing without
2: intertwining
1: (laughs) Richard Pryor level shit and then playing like (laughs) Clash level music or something that would be insane yeah Uh, but I I don't know if it's possible because musicians I love well I'll be like you know your music blows my mind and mm -hmm. as a comedian I watch you on stage and I'm like why are you so bad at this
2: yeah (laughs) right Yeah, I mean, at some point, because, like, I was doing just straight music for a while, and it just wasn't really doing what I wanted. It wasn't getting the reaction I wanted out of people. And I realized one of the things, like, there's more talented people than me, like, in the Houston scene, just to, like, keep it local to there. um, That have no banter, no stage presence, that they won't address something crazy going on in the audience. Yeah. And I feel like that takes away a lot of, like, people who I think are more talented than myself. Like man, you need to not look like your first day of school when you're on stage, dude. Like, yeah, make it your bitch. They're there to see you. Yeah, it's
1: weird. There's like a lot to learn as a performer from this dumbass uh, vaudevillian art form for yeah from the past. Yeah, stand up. Um, so you've been on tour for a minute.
2: How long you been on tour? Uh, it was like 66, 67 days straight. And that's your first tour? Yeah. That's fucked up, dude. Mr. said, don't do more than 21 days, and I'm like, cool, I'm gonna do <laughs> 60-some-odd. Yeah, that's Just funny. out of spite, I guess, out of being fucking 21 and, <laughs> and someone telling me good advice. Yeah. It's like, let me steer in the complete opposite direction.
1: That's completely oh. insane. Uh I am I'm proud of you. Appreciate you're alive. it. alive. <laughs> um...
2: Sort yes, of, barely seen a lot. <laughs> yeah,
1: but uh, what's some crazy shit that's happened on the road? Ah, uh,
2: fucking a lot. Um, at one stretch of the road in Louisiana, I think we're going from Houma to New Orleans uh, in the middle of the night for to get in New Orleans early enough the next day that we could go street perform and bus and try and drum up some money before the show. And fucking on some random stretch of I-10, we came across a car just on its fucking side and some lady standing next to it crying shit and so i was like yo pull the fucking truck over let's see what's up and then right then like she was like no i'm fine there's no one else in the car and the cops pulled up i just ran back to my car i was like our, our duty's done yeah yeah it's like we stopped and checked on her i'm drunk as fuck and we're <laughs> we're going across the country i don't need to interact with the cop uh fucking all sorts of shit man that's crazy i guess well, she was just crying just because i guess because gonna... she flipped her car I yeah. thought she seemed, like, a little buzzed. My buddy's like, no, I think you were just so buzzed that you thought they were also. I was like, "My <laughs> That yeah. car is drunk. Right. <laughs> Wake it up. I was like, man. I was like, I don't know how the <laughs> fuck you would flip your car on this straight-ass stretch of road, though. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I don't think it's I could have rolled this SUV if I tried on this fucking stretch of road. it's wow, impressive. <laughs> yeah. And then um, we went off-roading uh, outside of Denver. We hit black ice and basically the car fishtailed back and forth and it hooked like at a perfect right angle across like the other side of the road so they have those big trenches when it's like a two-lane freeway going each way. We just full speed jumped that fucking bitch and jumped the whole opposing lane of traffic. <laughs> we landed, got out, Damien said a prayer to David Bowie thanking him for protection. And this is in what kind uh, of vehicle? Uh, Ford Explorer. You Mario Kart shit in the Bro. Ford Explorer? <laughs> Yeah, we fucking jumped the shit out of it. Like, you'll, you'll sometimes hit train tracks too fast and you feel like the car went up a little... No, we literally were like five fucking feet in the air. Jumped both lanes, did not touch the concrete, like, at all. Good lord. And we, and we yeah, we fucking landed everything was okay. I was like, well, I should tell the booker that we're going to be a little late because we both need to stop and clean shit out of our pants. Yeah. So. <laughs> I yeah. He's like, "What do we do?" I was like, "We stop at a liquor store, dude. I need to celebrate. We just almost <laughs> <laughs> fucking died, and then didn't."
1: Yeah, you definitely just take a load off for a minute after <laughs> that.
2: <laughs> like, man, let's just let's just stop at the gas station. I just want to smoke a cigarette, and get a beer, like
1: kiss dry land. Huh? Yeah,
2: I'm a pirate. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's probably the more crazier shit. Yeah. Um, other than yeah like uh in fucking Lake Charles just finding fucking blow in the restroom that was awesome
1: yeah that's always uh, an interesting one just finding a drug that <laughs> pretty much could not be what it seems yeah. like it is um not gonna lie it's happened to me before <laughs> right <laughs> i feel like that's how i accidentally did meth the first time
2: dude yeah man i accidentally did meth a few times and a couple times on purpose
1: <laughs> yeah
2: it was way better on accident
1: i think you start by doing it on accident yeah is how it works <laughs> not an uncommon story um cool man well um so let's talk a little bit more about your act what a uh what kind of music are you kind of into and inspired um, by? Because I feel like we're both, like, uh, these folk punk types. Yeah, yeah, I'd that.
2: say folk punk, but aside from Mishka Shubali, that's the worst fan base to ever fucking be a part of. <laughs> <laughs> um, I hate saying folk punk because I, like, cringe myself when I say it. It's all these... Sometimes
1: you find yourself couched in a genre yeah. where you're like, I'm technically a guitar comic, but and I'm technically I'm, a folk yeah. punk, but don't take either of those I'm things like, into account because like, I don't like you on either this th- shit.
2: Like, yeah, um, yeah. Um, and then at this point I'm kind of almost hesitating to call it folk punk because I'm going more into like bluesy shit. Yeah. I guess too much time around Mishka or whatever but.
1: They'll definitely rub <laughs> off on you. I feel like this tour it feels very uh, like a star is born to me. Like, every <laughs> night. Especially the various things that me and him are both writing. They're, it's oh, so yeah, dramatic. Like, right?
2: <laughs> <laughs> Um, so yeah, I mean, I guess I'd say it's folk punk instrumentation because when I get in the studio, um, I'm not that great of a musician. Uh, I can play guitar, I can play bass, I can fuck around on the harmonica a little bit, but then I bring in people that actually know what they're doing, like mandolin players. Uh, I met this awesome fucking harmonica player through AA, ironically enough, Cool. because that ended up working out it's so well. <laughs> uh, cheers. Yeah, cheers, that. <laughs> <laughs> Um, But then, like, the comedy, like, I'm not doing what Mish gives. He's telling great stories that happen to be funny along the way. Yeah. And I'm kind of just writing straight material that makes fun of my songs. Gotcha. More or less. So it's less storytelling and more, like, here's a dumbass joke about why I got dumped, and here's the song I wrote about it afterwards. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's really uh, um, self-deprecating. Like, it's, like... Like, here's a song about, hey, like, guys, uh here. Oh, we got hey, what's up, man? Oh, hey.
1: Breckenridge. Ridge. I see you again. What up? I'm up yep. Say hello to the podcast. <laughs> oh, <hi>. oh, shit. <laughs> hi, podcast. Hi, pod, damn America. <laughs> uh, I remember the name. <laughs> uh, we'll be done. We'll wrap this up here in hey. a minute, and then we'll come party. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> right. Put the show yeah, to the party. Yeah, I mean,
2: there. it's something I can't really describe, uh... Because I try to not let up on going dark with material. Yeah. Like, that's way too easy to do when you're going to play a sad song after it. So you got to, like... I, like, heard someone cry laughing at the back of a room the other night going, Man, that's so fucking dark. Why would you say that? <laughs> and just cry laughing. And I was like, that's exactly what I want. Like, that's the reaction I aim for.
1: Yeah. That's what uh, me and Mishka's kind of show is like. That's why we all, we always get a book, a really goofy comic to open. And,
2: yeah, right. Uh, <laughs>
1: Mike Wiebe from the Riverboat Game. Oh, I fucking love that dude. He's hilarious. (laughs) The other night he was on stage and he said, uh, he was doing, the you know, dumb as hell material. And he goes, listen, I'm the Looney Tunes that goes on before Schindler's List. (laughs) (laughs) That's perfect. Oh man, that guy, I love Mike. He fucking kills me.
2: (laughs) Oh hell yeah. I think I've seen him two, three times at this point. Every time it's been fucking stellar.
1: He's like Iggy Pop. In that he's real hardcore when he plays music, and then when he's talking, he's like, "It's hey, yeah. going." But when he he you does know, stand up, so when yeah. that's him talking, and so he's right. like, he's that side of Iggy when he's on stage yeah. doing stand up.
2: If either my music or my stand up were better, I'd probably do them separately. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, we all gotta have a grift. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> and for most of us, it's the whole thing. Right. <laughs>
2: it's hey, buy a fucking t-shirt, dude.
1: Well, um, where can people see you and, uh, you know, come out, catch a live show, fucking see a house show, um, buy a shirt, all the shit we're doing, you know?
2: Uh, it's Nick Zachariah on Facebook, uh, Twitter, or no, on Twitter and Instagram, I'm Nick zachariah 69 all lowercase, nice. one word. Uh, on Facebook, I'm just Nick Zachariah, N-I-C-K-Z-A-C-C-A-R-I-A. Same thing on Bandcamp, iTunes, SoundCloud, Spotify... Pretty much anywhere you can get music except Pandora because they suck. Right. Um, so, yeah, fucking, I'm going to be uh, in Houston probably until March or April at least. Drum up some more money go back on the road. Cool. I'm yeah. I'm be at a super happy Funland on the 13th of February. <laughs> yeah, come smell the human feces that lines the fucking walls of that amazing
1: venue. We were talking about this off pod, but I've played it and it's... <laughs> You have to. <laughs> Dude,
2: my favorite Yelp review is like, I'm only giving this three stars because there was shit on the seat I sat in. <laughs> Otherwise, it's a cool place. And I'm like, yeah, it's about how that goes.
1: Oh, I thought it was going to be the other way around. Uh, it was going to be zero, but there was shit on the seat. <laughs> so, so and I have three. very specific interests. <laughs> <laughs> uh, cool. Cool. Rad. All right. Well, uh, yeah, follow Nick and check out his shit. Yeah. Um, it's gonna be fucking rad unless it's the worst thing I've ever seen this this is in the
2: podcast. Up in the air. <laughs> <laughs>
1: but I think I could tell what uh what type we are. We're, we're both the same type of dirtbag. Yeah. Like.
2: <laughs> so uh, yeah, cool, awesome. Buy a t-shirt. It keeps me uh, drinking beer. So, <laughs> ten yeah. bucks. Uh, PayPal to me. I'll mail it to you. Hell yeah. Add me on Facebook. Fuck. Cool. <laughs> All right. Thanks, man. found the remains of who I was when I was a kid. A liar and an ugly cheat, yeah, I guess not a lot has changed. The funniest or saddest thing is I got more drunk back in those days than I said. I got more drunk back in those days. I'm after that Or at least I made an attempt But I
0: hopped up my bike And both my tires were flat So I walked to the store Where I 5 feet of scored In an air pump Someone stole my bike By the time that I walked back Cause it's I like, just I'm like, like that I thought i back in
1: So I recorded that interview with Nick Zachariah um, before I watched him perform and uh, he was a bit of a uh, you know folk punk road rat uh, <laughs> you know a guy going through some stuff and uh, I'm gonna be honest with you, I didn't know quite what to expect but he opened for me at that show in Pantigo or DFW however the fuck that works that city that's inside of a city, that whole thing that's going on over there in the Fort Worth area and uh, he was great, It was he was awesome, he was right up my alley and I, I could kinda tell we were gonna get along when we were listening to like Days and Days and AJJ and stuff like that in the car and uh... you know mischief brew and that sort of stuff And I, I'm i glad, I'm glad I was correct in assuming that this dude was um, you know, a black Jorty sort of uh, service industry you know mess <laughs> uh, like myself and so um, yeah that was him playing that was one of his tracks uh, I hope you enjoyed it I don't want to give away entirely his, his sort of the comedy aspect of his set because he does a little bit of what um, you know Mishka does where he writes the, the jokes in between the set but uh, definitely go see if you're in Texas because this guy's based out of Houston go see Nick Zachariah his closing bit is, you know, really funny in like a musical way. Uh, without giving away, you know, the joke, I'll let you know the uh, the thing he does to close his set is he starts playing the song Wagon Wheel, which is you know beat to death at this point, and the entire you know mood in the room drops because nobody wants to hear Wagon Wheel. It's been played enough times on this planet, you know, <laughs> and then. It takes a turn, and I won't tell you what it is. You should go see Nick Zachariah if you get a chance. Um, <laughs> um, I recorded that a few days ago in, like, Dallas, and I am now getting back on the mic. What is it? Where am I? Phoenix? I That was crazy. I don't know what happened. Um, <laughs> the tour has been very interesting. Some of these episodes are going to come out kind of cut up like um, Pulp Fiction style and it may not make sense narratively, but you know, it's the best way for it to come out to get all these people, their exposure and everything. Um, Thank you for coming out to the shows. I've had comedy comrades at every show. It's been great. Um, I got a t-shirt from North Texas DSA It says uh, fully automated queer luxury space communism uh, which I proceeded to wear into the uh, when walking into the most dangerous redneck bar I've seen in quite some time in Amarillo and uh, did battle with a bunch of drunks there, that was a lot of fun. Um, had a great show in Albuquerque in front of a bunch of people that looked like yeah, I don't know how else to put it, old Trumpy cop supporters. Um, but they loved it except for one guy who was stone faced staring at me the whole time. But, um, great time. Uh, a really old lady was dying laughing at this poppers joke I have and I guess you know I'm an asshole for being surprised because you know how do you think you get old that's why fucking a lot you know <laughs> it's weird that we think that about old people that they didn't party back in their day you know um, but anyway I'm kind of giving a tour update here because I wanted to mention something that should really be recorded and uh, <laughs> sort of announced to so the world is if, if you listen to the last tour update uh, I did, and I had my friend Joe Stats come on to uh, kind of raise money for his dog surgery. And, you know, we got really drunk and told that story about his uncle, the legendary drunk Okie Roy. Well, there's a footnote in that story that you might remember where I talked about this. This slam poet who opened for us, whose name was Tapestry, and who was kind of a mess and uh, was interesting and very enthusiastic. And, um, you know, I hadn't thought about him in 10 years until we told that story. Well, lo and behold, I walked into the damn venue in Albuquerque and this guy came up to me and he said, Hey, Jake. Do you remember me? And it was fucking tapestry. <laughs> it was the weirdest goddamn thing ever. And uh, I went, yeah, I was just talking about you, oddly enough. And then it turns out he's, you know, kind of doing straight stand-up now. And he opened the show and he's yelling about, you know, the Gulf War that he was in. That he got gassed in and shit and making fun of all the gun nuts out in, you know, this part of town. And he was great. <laughs> it was awesome, you know. I had a great time watching him. And he was actually a really sweet dude, man. And he told me... All about what's going on in his life now. We hung out and it was fucking awesome. So you can't, I never would imagine that happened. Uh, that would happen. That was, you know, wild. And then me and Mishka rolled on down to Tucson last night. And as we were talking, driving in the car, this car pulled up next to us and rolled down the window. And this guy yelled, Are you Mishka Shubali? And he's like, Yeah. And the guy goes, I saw you here. I saw you play 15 years ago. And, uh, then he pulled up his iPod and he showed us that he was listening to Mishko on his fucking iPod. And, we are just like, you know, how are these coincidental things happening, you know? What is the universe trying to tell you, you know? So, then, we go play this show in Tucson last night at this brewery. And, you know, we'd be traveling around under the stars trying to, uh... You know, trying to make sense of our lives and pull some meaning out of this big weird fucking country, you know? And, um and she's playing this song to close out the show, one of his last songs he plays in his set, um, that's, you know, kind of a funny song about being old and having sex, I guess, and the, the chorus is, I'm a train wreck, you're a graveyard, and as he says, I'm a train wreck, a fucking train goes by, <laughs> and honks and screeches and interrupts this goddamn song. Weirdest thing in the world. I don't know what the fuck is going on out here in the desert, but I'm into it. Anyways, um... Thanks for listening. I've got another uh, artist that I want to talk to. Do uh, Let me welcome to the show Dave Dondero. Welcome.
3: Oh, thanks. Nice to see you.
1: Yeah. Um, thanks for joining us. Um, <coughs> say hello to my listeners. They call themselves The Damned for some reason. Hello, Damned. <laughs> um, well, the, from, rainy, from, from
3: rainy Phoenix. We, we speak to you from rainy, flooded Phoenix. Oh, yeah. Arizona.
1: Yeah. I've been touring under a cloud. That's been... Uh, quite gloomy and i guess on brand for my uh the goth socialism that we've sort of invented on in this podcast um <laughs> dave thank you for coming on the show uh i'm really glad to have you because um sometimes me and mishka are you know driving around and um because he's not you know we're friends as like artists or whatever and we talk about music and comedy and stuff all day and every once in a while because he's not quite um up, like, obsessed with politics in the way that I am, and as an extremely online, you know, horrible uh, millennial person, he'll just go, Oh shit, low hanging fruit. You should talk to my friend Dave. This makes perfect sense, you know. Um, and he, uh, he played me a little bit of your music. I'm like, Yeah, Mishka, of course. Like, why, <laughs> why hadn't we thought of this before? Um, and so we listened to some of your stuff, and if I am to understand the way he explained it to me, um, it seems like you kind of, um, have two uh, two styles of music that you've played and, you know, it seems like your earlier stuff was a little bit more personal um, and then you've sort of uh, turned to, to a more folky, like political direction. Um, does that sound about right or am I getting that entirely wrong? Well, recently I've gone way political with the
3: newer songs over the last three years. Yeah. Um, and, you know, in the past I've been more you know, introspective of, about my life or people experiences. Yeah. But, um, I didn't get too too political with most of my stuff through the first nine records. But, you know, touched on it a little. But, I can't help it this, this go around. It's just been coming at me. I have to say something about it.
1: Yeah, that's something I talk about on this show a bit, which is like the, that, I mean, you say three years ago, that's like, Exactly when it changed for a lot of people, you know, and I think yeah. like uh, just the way we think about our lives in America, not even just as like, you know, people that create stuff, but just a lot of people, the world just changed for them in that way. Mm-hmm. And I definitely, back in the Obama days, was very introspective and very much thought that, you know, the point of being on this planet and creating stuff and life in general was sort of like digging inside and. You know writing that great you know crazy Bukowski story or whatever you know mm. and then um, I think you know I changed forever when I started getting more involved and paying attention and reading history and stuff like that and going out and doing organizing and things like that whenever I could and um, you know now I actually feel very fulfilled by the, the extroversion thing you know mm. and like to me that's like where the context of political art exists Um And I don't know. I mean, but I go back and forth with it, and it's a thing that you know. I talk to people that make stuff about all the time, because you know, sometimes I also still like to do straight, you know, straight introspective stuff. But um, yeah, that makes perfect sense. I mean, yeah, I'm I'm right there with you. I started this podcast, you know, the day after Charlottesville. Um, And we'll talk about that a little bit later. But um, tell me about you're uh, y- you are gonna play a song that's a little bit more comedic um to understand like you have like you know music that's sort of commentary on...
3: yeah it's i mean this one is more like um a sing-along crowd song or um a do wop hit Yeah, yes, it's a do wop hit in 48 countries um number one smash single song <laughs> yeah but um just like this isn't a real guitar and that's not even a microphone we're looking at. Yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah. Well, um What's the name of this song? It's called The Presidential Palace of Pornography. I love it. Well, let's hear it and then
0: we'll uh we'll
1: riffle a bit. All right.
0: From the Presidential Palace of Pornography, doop doop. Turning us into a third-rate country. Shoop shoop. The anti-intellectual and the proudly dumb, dewop wop Waving flags and they're having some fun now. That the presidential palace has a stripper pole. The oval office is lined in fake gold. Ted Nugent's got a stranglehold. They like to keep the women under control. Great. Great again, great. Just for them. From the presidential palace, a bigotry, the his office of impunity. They got a magic weapon and it's smoke and mirrors As the grand old party all held to their furor They can't win fair, so they gerrymander The truth hurts, they called it fake news and slander Played to paranoia and religious shame With bathroom bill distraction games Hate, they're making folks hate they're doing from the presidential palace of indignity they disassemble a democracy took the Constitution to the paper shredder blamed it on the intern while drafting up the letter reality TV idiocracy they pledge allegiance to the wealth and the money Those poor rich folks need all the help they could get Like billionaires with cash and welfare checks now Great Make it a great again Great Just for them From the Presidential Palace of Indignity. Wait, I fucked it up. <laughs>
3: <laughs> now nah, the Presidential
0: Palace has a flaming cesspool. Surrounded by zombies who closed down the school. Privatized the prison for the new slavery. And let your houses burn because you didn't pay your fee. And the EP. Slipped away All the scientific data Got dumped in the bay And the Cuyahoga River Caught fire again And they were dancing on the shore All these rich old businessmen Singing great They're making it great again Great Unbridled capitalism with their supreme court judge now to twist the law with his drunk rape entitled frat boy character flaw he's gonna hold true all your family values with his christian belief and his unbiased views he said we'll reap the whirlwind appointed for life as he calmly took the oath with his kids and his wife while thousands of protesters raged on that day democracy died and he smiled and he said great make it a great again great we're gonna reap his whirlwind so the presidential palace sent a motorcade doo-wop wop to roll coal dust all over the Earth Day Parade shoo-wop wop while they were getting golden showers in the presidential suite do wop wop in the casino tower built on Pennsylvania Avenue Great, make it great again Great, just for them Great, for the wealthy family Great, for the banking industry Great for the oil industry. Great for the snakes of Wall Street. Great, but not for you and me.
1: Hell, yeah, that was fucking great. Um, I can, uh, I can edit out that part where you fucked up, but I almost feel like it was cool. It might be, yeah, it's, I usually fuck it up. Yeah. So. <laughs> <Wow>. <laughs> it reminded me, and I'm sure this is, like, an <coughs> obnoxious comparison you must get sometimes, but it reminded me of some of those Bright Eyes records, of where still, you'll hear, you know. I've been compared to him many times. Yeah. He's
3: a big influence on me. Is he
1: really? Yes. Okay, because there's two <laughs> ways that it can go when you tell someone the thing that they hear all the time, which is, yeah, it's my favorite, I love that shit, or... Horror. I'm so tired of hearing this. I don't actually like this person, you know. If for what, if it wasn't for his voice, I wouldn't be doing this today. Fucking a, good, good to know because I'm a fan, you know, of both of you, know, <laughs> well, you now, um, but yeah, that, that totally reminded me of one of those. There's, you know, he used to leave those, he used to leave it in the track when he would record it, where they would fuck yeah, up, and then you yeah. just hear someone laugh in the back of the studio, you know, <laughs> and they would start the song over again. I always thought that was so cool. Um. yeah that was awesome that was right up my alley very cleverly written you know folk lyrics um, how did you uh, you know not to beat you with the the basic interview questions but like how long have you been playing music
3: well I started um in the early 80s I guess the first the first thing I did was probably in like 87 yeah the first like cassette with the fat stinking Belgian bastards cool. But then I was in Sunbrain from the first band that had a CD out it was in 1991 yeah 92 93 time frame yeah yeah so a while but the doing the solo stuff I started solo in 98 mm-hmm. I guess I put out a record I've been going that way ever since cool but um yeah have you been touring the whole time not the whole time you know like um it's 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 waxes and wanes you know I do um you know every kitchen job known to man you yeah know, I've done um, I've done the cooking the waiting tables the bartending the watch the door i've done the carpentry the painting the block masonry you know uh, renovation all the renovation and driving jobs and yeah. in between but you know I try to stay on the road as much as possible cuz I'd rather do this than that. Yeah. It can be um a little depressing sometimes but mostly not. I love to travel trow- I love it, man. I'm I'm stoked to go to F- Flagstaff tomorrow and um yeah, just keep rolling forward. I dig it. Yeah. I, I love it. No matter I mean, how many times you see the country it's it's always exciting, you know.
1: Yeah, no, I know. I'm yeah. like so happy to be out right now. Um and yeah, the you know, the the service industry sort of part of it is it's funny because you know, if you do stand up or music or something like that long enough, you, you the end of it is you open a restaurant because you know how to do every fucking thing in the restaurant at that point, you know? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, that'll probably be my end game at some point, but um, it's interesting if you've been working in music that long because you know, the I imagine the economics of it have changed to you know, to the nth degree. I mean, I, I've been doing stand up like. Twelve years and within that I you know had ten different ideas of what success is in this world because it used to be you know for us it was like you get that you know that job on a TV show and then they you're set and then you know it slowly things started paying less and less and less and you know you also you can't really sell albums as much anymore and stuff, but um, you know we found a way to sort of make this show float on patreon. Um, and you have a Patreon as well, yes? Yeah, that's been really um, keeping me alive. I think.
3: And uh, I have one too. Yeah, it's Dave. It's Patreon slash Dave
1: Dondero. Dave Dondero. It's uh, one or two R's. Um, just one.
3: It's D A V E D O N D E R O.
1: Cool. just patreon slash dave dondera um i'll plug it in the show notes and everything and uh hopefully you'll get some some people from me because uh yeah i mean like i Patreon's cool because it works but i also i find it to be uh the most ethical way of getting my stuff out there just because it's like direct to the people and generally yeah. a middleman and stuff so definitely check out dave's patreon if you're uh into this stuff and you, you know or come out and see a show and all that stuff there's um, writing there,
3: too. I do a lot of writing releases there on my Patreon. Cool.
1: But, uh, um, and uh, I guess, so I, I wanted to ask you about this, and I wanted to to sort of twist your arm and get you to play this song, because we listened to it in the van, and it was, you know, chilling, and uh, I thought, oh, i gotta, I got to talk to this guy and pick his brain now, but um, you wrote a song about Heather Heyer, which is, you know, quite... A topic to tackle, but I thought you did, uh, you know, tremendous job with uh, portraying the, you know, the weight of this event of her being killed by, you know, that neo-Nazi back in Charlottesville and the implications and the, you know, what we should do afterwards with this moment in history and, you know, one of the things I do on this podcast is I'm a comedian, so a lot of times we'll, you know, our job is to viciously, you know, tear apart the people that um that did the wrong thing after that news came out you know Mm -hmm. on uh both sides of the aisle to be quite frank you know there are uh there's there's, um you know this woman joyanne reed who has some tv show on you know whatever cable news and um i remember because heather hire was like a socialist and she was you know she was like a wobbly i think she um she uh i cut that out if I got that wrong she was involved in a major labor organization and um, when she and at that time there was this big sort of split in the uh, you know and still there's a big split between like the centrist Democrats and like people that are kind of getting out and more involved and more into you know no just be an unapologetic socialist and you know um, you know you don't have to be an incrementalist about this um, a lot of these people and this woman Joanne Reed um, she had the the um, the advice to everyone is uh, don't politicize this person's death you know that's what you say when you don't agree with someone's politics and they die but you still want to capitalize off of it and so Joy Reid I remember she tweeted out she said Heather Heyer's favorite color was purple and I just thought that is not the most important part of the story you know mm-hmm. um, that's cool <laughs> I'm glad to know that but um, you know, but her death certainly meant something and I think you know, no one can speak on behalf of the dead, but you know, when you have friends that are heavily involved in politics, it's, you, know, techni- you generally they don't go down, you know, yelling. Uh, Tell them my favorite color was purple, you know. <laughs> and uh, so there's um, something rather brilliant that you did with uh, the lyrics in the song, where the the name Heather Heyer Rhymes with, uh, rhymes with magnifier. Um, and I found it really chilling and really, you know, just on the nose is a perfect way of, uh, sort of remembering her because, um, you know, the most important thing about what happened at Charlottesville is, uh, you know, that we, that we magnify this and that it's not forgotten and we learn from it, you know, especially, you know now that the news cycle is so crazy and things can be easily forgotten you know. Um, correct me if I'm getting any of this wrong. You're not and I firmly agree
3: that her name should be remembered historically in, in American history in the history books. In fact they I, I think they should build a monument of her and put that in place of the Confederate monument because I think her death represents a patriotic death her death represents what America is supposed to stand for is equality for all people she was out there on the street um, protesting against bigotry and she lost her life because of it and people being complacent allow this form of bigotry to rise up again and um, it takes people to get on the street and you know be willing to die for it you know yeah w- willing to die for equality you know because this is what this country is about its equality for every person every every person and you know it's it's one 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 giant community yeah I, I sorry I'm babbling but no no please I, I feel very strongly about that I, I think Heather Heyer is it's a, a patriotic death standing up for what's right for equality
1: yeah, I uh, I agree. Um, my only kind of uh, caveat with with these sorts of things is that you know I think I would call her better than a patriot because I I mean the name of my show is Pod Damn America. Mm-hmm. It's a uh, it's sort of a a joke about how um, America isn't actually great and wasn't great, but. It could be, you know. Um, I agree. You know, and the, it's peop- The future is where it'll be about equality, um, mm-hmm. because often when we tell people, you know, um, you know, they're a patriot, well, they get misconstrued as, you know, they love America and they're a nationalist, you know, and that's what their opponents were, where you know, this is about America, and often, you know, what people are fighting for isn't so much, even just about the state we live in; it's just about like human life, you know, and the sanctity of mm-hmm. it. But um, you know, but I, I mean I agree. I uh you know, we're all working towards the same thing. That's the ultimate goal is equality of all people. Yeah. And I and
3: I I realize what you're saying in the past is it's definitely not been that in America. It's 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 been a a tedious evolution, you know? Yeah. And it's been a violent evolution and it's it's disgusting, you know, but it's we gotta keep pushing forward right into this ultimate goal of complete equality.
1: Have yeah. I, the reason I like to think about it that way is because, you know, Make America Great Again is is sort of rooted in this idea that, Mer- that there was this... And, the greatness is in the past, and I think it's actually in the future. You know, And the
3: great... The, and that is... This, like I was singing before is complete sarcasm. Right, yeah. Yeah, yeah <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Right.
1: You think that's good? <laughs> are you kidding me? Yeah, I really liked the this the, the sarcastic great in that song. <laughs> um yeah, well um man, you want to lay it down?
3: Yeah. Yeah, this this is a was a hard song to to put forth, you know?
1: Yeah, yeah. It's um, if uh
3: if you, if you don't want to, I completely understand. I will. I I just um Yeah, I will this is Heather Hire Magnify Her. Heather Hire Magnifier, exactly. Wait.
0: Dark days are going down. There's a virus upon the town. Swept through Charlottesville Against the town folks' will The virus attacks the brain Makes folks hateful and insane Feeds off ignorance flourishes on violence and attacks the innocent Heather Heyer 32 years old Heather Heyer lost her life You can't blame both sides You can't shame both sides Heather lost her life In the name of equality Protesting bigotry For the love of humanity Every culture in community stamp out this bigotry. Heather Heyer, 32 years old. Heather Heyer lost her life. For equality, protesting bigotry. Another I lost her life From the cops up the chain of command To the highest office in the land The virus ate their brains Made them hateful and insane While the inclusive community Built up strength and immunity In a statue to honor thee And the plaque will read Heather higher. Thirty-two years old, Heather Hire lost her life for equality, protesting bigotry, Heather Hire lost her life, Heather Hire Magnify her.
1: That was incredible, Dave. Thank you very much. Uh, where can my listeners find you online and follow you? Um,
3: at the Patreon, either mm-hmm. that or which is Dave slash Dave Dondero, mm-hmm. or at my website, which is Dave Cool. Or at Bandcamp, which is David
1: Dondero one at Bandcamp. Cool. Cool. Well, uh, yeah, hit up uh. Dave and listen to his music um that was fucking great thank you so much thank you yeah okay so I just turned off the mics and then we started talking and then I just did this thing where I went holy shit sometimes this happens with podcasting where once you're once you're not on the mic anymore and you just start talking something happens because you're relaxed and you go oh this is actually a really interesting story um and so once I turned off this mic you went mischief brew do you know you have mischief brew and I went I don't Actually, no, I'm just a fan, and I didn't even know he had passed, but you guys were friends? I was good, good friends with Eric Peterson, yeah, and his wife Denise. He
3: passed um, almost three summers ago now, yeah.
1: Um, so that's just an incredible, like, coincidence, I guess, because because of the stuff we've been talking about, and because we were just talking about Heather Heyer. Um, you know, I started this podcast right after Charlottesville, and the the first episode that we did that's way way back and that you know before we got even like famous mildly on the internet and, you know it's, it's way way back in our archives so a lot of people haven't heard it so i'm going to tell the story again but i was talking um about this phrase pie in the sky because that's what uh that's what a lot of people yell at you when they don't they want you to give up on what you're fighting for is oh that's a pie in the sky you know you gotta you gotta relax and you know buy what we're selling and all this stuff Yeah. and I was reading some Howard Zinn at the time and I looked up uh, you know the etymology of this phrase pie in the sky and it comes from a Joe Hill song and it's a really good song and so I looked it up and I was like oh I'll play it as the outro of this this podcast that we're making and sure enough there's a fucking sick mischief Brew cover of this Joe Hill song Preacher and the Slave um, and it's it's this great song you know where uh Joe Hill when he was traveling around he would uh he would do like Carney stuff where he would he would roll into town and he'd go, Help, I've been robbed, I've been robbed and then like people would run out into the street and they'd go, I've been robbed by capitalism you know and then t- t- step up and play a song or whatever and the song mm-hmm. is uh it's about uh <laughs> it's about um you because, know, like long haired preachers come out every night, they tell you what's wrong and what's right, yada yada yada. It's this folk song. Um, and it's about how they tell you, um, you know, especially the the preachers in this, this folk song tell you, you know, you can't eat today because you'll have pie in the sky when you die, right? And so it's, get back to work, don't worry about it. This is the trick that they tell you, you know? Mm-hmm. You'll be happy when you die, you know? And, uh, you know, not now. And you shouldn't fight, you know, for this now. But uh, yeah, but Mischief Brew has a fucking awesome cover of it and we played it as the outro. So I just thought it was an incredible coincidence. All these coincidences are happening to me out here. It's all aligning. Yeah. <laughs> Crazy. I don't know. All right, well, anyway, thanks again. Yeah. <laughs> okay, uh, that was Dave Dondero, who, um, you know, something interesting happened after we shut off the microphones. Uh, that's This often happens with podcasting, I think, where people are, uh, you know... I don't know, nervous or just, like, in a certain mindset. A, tr- a counterintuitive thing happens sometimes where you uh, you talk and then you finish the fucking podcast and you press stop. And then as soon as you press stop, everyone in the room relaxes. And then you start talking freely, which is what you were trying to do on the podcast. And, uh, you know, so he was great, our segment on the show, but as soon as we started talking, just kind of uh, shooting the shit after the mics turned off, I realized I got to have this guy back on next time we run into each other because, um, you know, I kind of didn't realize the, uh, caliber of person I was dealing with, and, um, he told me that he, and also, you know, he said that he was in France during the, uh, yellow vest riots and shit, and he said that, I was like, fuck, (laughs) I should have asked him about that, um, but he also said something that was extremely, um, Uh, peculiar and funny and um, (laughs) I could tell I was talking to a guy with a very fascinating mind Um, he said uh, oh I did a joke during the podcast and I I went what do you mean Uh, (laughs) did you like I don't remember and so apparently when uh, I compared him to Connor Oberst and he said oh yeah I'm a fan Uh, he said "Um, I wouldn't be the musician I am if it wasn't for Connor Oberst and, um, then afterwards he told me that, uh, that's actually a Conor Ober's quote about him. So for anyone who's very, very specifically like really into bright eyes or something, I guess enjoy, enjoy that joke. Uh, Cause it didn't register as a joke to fucking any of the rest of us. And I'm a big fan, but, uh, <laughs> but that was cool. That was like an Easter egg, I guess. Um, anyways, yeah, check that guy out and, uh, you know. If you can throw some money as Patreon, uh, do so because that helps us all. Um, anyways, to kind of round out this uh, this music-specific tour audio diary thing, um, I'm going to talk to my partner in crime here, my fucking uh, tour wife, the Rick to my Morty. Um, <laughs> welcome to the show, Mishka Shubali. Howdy, partner. <laughs> uh, happy birthday, Mishka. Oh, uh, <laughs> fuck you. <laughs> um, <laughs> I hope it's uh, exactly like you dreamed of, uh, everything you wanted. Podcasting, moving furniture around. <laughs> I, like, I was I I got a text from a buddy and he was like, "So how are you celebrating?" And I was like,
4: "Man, I'm fucking like 15 years away from celebrating any birthday. It's just at this point, it's just sort of like uh, it's like a death row thing. I'm like, like, ha, still here. Fuck you.' <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
1: <laughs> yeah. Um, I mean, I feel the same way. I didn't do shit for my birthday. Um, well, except in Amarillo.
4: Fuck you, buddy. I didn't get a steak. <laughs>
1: oh. Ooh. <laughs> deep cut. Oh, that was deep indeed. <laughs> um, <laughs> so uh, we just did this run. It's the second one we've done together. Um, it had sort of a um, true detective vibe, in my opinion. I know you haven't seen the show. <laughs> but I feel like we uh, we always get into these weird, like... Um, buddy cop sort of uh, you know scenarios when we go on the road. Um, it's, fu- it's fun. It's fun. Uh, beam in the van and kicking around every idea under the sun with you. Uh, hopefully I never see you again, though. I know, right?
2: that,
1: <laughs> I, Most of my, like, long tours with a friend end like that, where it's like, man,
4: you know, this is, this is an incredible experience. I feel like we, you know, got to know so much about each other and, like, uh, I'll talk to you never. <laughs> I know what time of day you shit now. I know, like, uh, just, yeah. All you know, day. <laughs> you know everything.
1: <laughs> um... So, if anyone has been a listener for a minute, the last time Mishka was on the show, we talked about, um, you know, anti-fascism and, uh, some stuff you had done, um, and some, you know, the adventure you had had, uh, going out and fucking with alt-right Nazis and shit, but, um, this week and on this little, uh, three-part stitched together interview series, um, I want to talk more about music, which, uh... I guess, you know, it's funny, being friends with musicians, like, guys like you and Blake Midget, I, uh, I never really ask you about, you know, why, <laughs> how, uh, where did the what, how do you become a fucking musician, what is going on in your life that leads to these things, uh, you know, the basic shit, um, I mean, I, I, I don't
4: know. I mean, I think, you know, part of it's the same thing that leads somebody to comedy, which is to say, uh, you know, insecurity, um, like, oh, I found a life hack for, like, getting pussy or, like, or getting attention or, you know, I mean, I remember, the way that I remember it is, like, I remember hearing uh, Johnny Be Good by Chuck Berry. Yeah. And then just being like, fuck everything else. Like, this is it. But then I went back. This is and it's so funny the way that like memory fucks with you is that I went back through my childhood and I was like, well, I didn't hear it on like my dad's records. So my dad listened to like Beach Boys and CCR, but I don't think he had any Chuck Berry. And then I was like, well, where did I hear it? And I think my first memory of hearing Chuck Berry is actually hearing Michael J. Fox on Back to the Future. Sure doing, yeah, yeah. and which is, which is funny because it's like, you know, the, oh, like, you know, it's Chuck Berry is still sort of like an authentic name drop and be like, oh yeah, no, my greatest musical influence is a white Canadian actor named Michael <laughs> J. Fox.
1: Well, it's also interesting because of like the time travel plot in that movie and then like how it affects you and causes you to be someone that then later learns who the previous person who influenced that movie oh God, L- like there's really all that a whole <laughs> <with> <laughs> I can't stop thinking about it because all this weird synchronicity shit just like keeps happening yeah like I mentioned the train the other night on the fucking uh on, that, that was eerie yeah was just... <laughs> um I don't know a lot of stuff in this tour has been like extremely on the nose but it's weird I, I think I enjoy touring so much because like you know as a comedian and then you know as writers and then as you you're as a, you being a musician like you know we're kind of like uh, living through a lot of stuff right now whereas when you're stationary you take it all and you sort of uh, you dust it all off and you compartmentalize it and then you, you kind of live you know, a little bit separated. Uh, you're a degree separated from like you know all this uh, all these lines that you wrote, you know, and uh, all these clever things. But like, um, as we're sort of working through a lot of uh, just the the process of traveling and the process of working on all this shit, it kind of feels like you're in a sitcom or like a Aaron Sorkin thing, where when you watch it, you're like, people don't actually talk that cleverly, you know it's
4: one of the, the best and worst thing about tour is that it is just this like constant stream of information and you're, and I, I mean, I feel like I'm still processing shit that happened to me in like 2003 because it's, uh, um, you know, the, uh, Sam talent opens his book with this great quote, which I think is from uh, fucking mortal Kombat or street fighter or something <laughs> like that, you know, which I is fucking rules of like, um, you know, this is the greatest day of your life. The day that I came into your life, um, but for me, it was just a Tuesday. Yeah. You know, which is to say that, like, when you're on the road, it, you know, it's like we we go through a fucking 90-minute, um, you know, sort of like teen hijinks movie worth of uh, slapstick and pratfalls and heartbreak. Um, and that's just fucking Monday on the road and then and there's no time to process it or unpack it because you have to find a place to crash and then you wake up the next morning and it fucking starts again and there's all the like is the van gonna make it did it get broken into what's the deal with this show tonight where are we staying um just you know to say nothing of like all the dramas in your home life that keep unfolding even while you're fucking on the road regardless of what's you know happening for
5: you
1: yeah what it that sound I think it's just uh, a rattling shelf with the passing train. That's what it was. Whoa, spooky. Um, (laughs) um, Yeah, no, I, like, you know, I'm usually extremely online and sort of, like, uh, you know, keeping track of all the crazy shit that happens in the news in, like, you know, one day at a time. Uh, and that's often what this show is about or whatever, but, like, having been on tour for two weeks or a month or whatever, actually, I've been out for a fucking month right now, Yeah. um, like, I I check every once in a while, and it was, like, trying to take a snapshot of a fucking train as it's screeching by or something, I was like, wait, he said what? And then fucking, who said, what about the Jews? Like, it was like, we were, uh, you know moving at an entirely different rate from like the rest of reality you know
4: it's it's interesting because it does um, I mean it it gives it both gives you perspective into people who are like sort of like living the real lives you know not um, not the people who are like oh I'm checking in at the fucking you know uh, Standing Rock or whatever but the people who are actually there yeah. um, like actually doing shit and that their lives are is not just consuming the news cycle but like solving real problems in real time
1: yeah yeah um but i don't know in some ways though like i also i have to do it and i got i got so much fucking work done on this tour like material wise and it's making me realize that like i get i i build material by doing this and like not really by being stationary which uh you know i don't know everyone has their own process or whatever but um i think i've always known that because when i moved to new york the first thing i did is i put this fucking mirror on my wall and in sharpie it says tour all the time on it and it was supposed to be this fucking the secret thing where i woke up and went you, I, people like you and you're loved and also you need to <laughs> tour all the time you know you feel like you're on tour even when you're not and...
4: does It does not say that on your mirror like people like you crossed out <laughs> like you're loved crossed out and then just tour all the time
1: <laughs> basically um <laughs> but I was trying to remind myself to like uh, be in this mode even when I was getting up and going to a job every day and uh I don't know if it really is possible like I you know tried to but um the uh, the creative process or whatever the fuck happens to your head like only works when you're you're like this I guess.
4: So one so we talk a little bit about like the weird convergences on the road of like how everything seems to relate to something else, and then you're like you get this sensation that you're like I'm about to see the pattern, or I'm about to see the fucking matrix, or like I'm, we're about to come to a moment of like great meaning, and what that actually means is that you're losing your fucking mind. <laughs> <laughs> and so one of the things that I keep coming back to, which it's kind of a dumb reference, but it's actually a brilliant story, which is the Jaunt by Stephen King. Yeah. Do you recall this
1: story? No. Totally okay. It. So
4: it, it's basically that um, this guy invents teleportation um, and the story is told both there's the narrative of a family that are like you know going to the, the teleportation airport and so it's intercut with that and then with stories of like how teleportation was invented and basically the guy who invents teleportation he's putting rats through and when he puts them through And they're conscious, they go insane and, like, pull their eyes out or whatever. Yeah. And But when he puts them through when they've been sedated, they go through fine. And so then there's this, like, nine-year-old kid who's going through the teleportation. And um, he's like, I want to see what it's like. I'm curious. I want to know the information. So when they give him the gas mask to put him out for the teleportation, he, like you know, um, doesn't breathe in and yeah. just pretends that he's knocked out. So then he goes through. And then when he comes out at the end, he's like, I saw it all, dad. You know, he's got the, you know, that's sort of like the cliche things of like, you know, his eyes are white and his hair is white. And yeah. he's like longer, longer than you thought, dad, longer than you thought, you know? And I'm like, i like, I saw it all. I saw everything. And you get that from fucking touring, dude, that weird, like, um, you know, uh, I mean, we could just talk this entire podcast about Don Darrow because he's such a fascinating character and, like, such a great guy and such a great artist. But you can tell, looking at him, too, he has that thousand-mile oh, stare. yeah. And you can tell that he's fucking seen too much and, yeah. like, hasn't had time to process it. And that there's, there's like, sort of, no, you know, the... At once, when you're on the road, the, the sky becomes the ceiling in your living room and it feels protective and also you never feel safe. And you... Um, you always feel exposed and like, just, you know, I, you know, I did five months without a break last year by <laughs> the end of it, I was just a raw nerve and just like crying in gas stations and fucking falling apart yeah. and it took like four days for me to come back.
1: I feel so weird because like, I, maybe I just haven't been out long enough, but I feel like I've been like, like I feel much better you know well
4: that's just a measure of how profoundly damaged you are as a human being that tour to you is like a nice warm shower it's like a hug from your mom yeah.
1: <laughs> I feel like the, I'm the guy in that story the Stephen King story I would be the some weird fucked up person that gets addicted to going through the, the fucking teleportation machine you know well
5: that's the other thing
4: is that when you come back from tour you're like that was a fucking nightmare I'm never gonna go out again until three days later and then you're like where are we going
1: yeah (laughs) yeah it's like getting a tattoo or something it's it's such a rush that you you know you get hooked on the buzz the endorphins or whatever um I don't know how do we put a fucking uh, a, a period on the end of this thing um what did you get out of this
4: um, I need to get rid of the van. <laughs> the just, van,
1: it's a piece <laughs> of shit. It's just,
4: um, I mean, it really is. I mean, so <laughs> it's not just that we're like. I mean, sometimes we were just sort of riding in silence, and occasionally we're like listening to music, but most of the time we were like workshopping bits or jokes or our material. At the fucking top of our lungs like screaming at each other in a wind tunnel of like am i over tagging that like
1: <laughs> yeah yeah that man is so funny because you roll the windows up and you're used to in a vehicle kind of having this weird like sensation when a window reaches the top where it's like there's a little air seal and everything gets quieter and that just doesn't happen and it's so like jarring and feels odd to just be like oh Nope, I'm just outside. I'm not actually in a room. I'm just in four walls, you know? Yeah. For anyone uh, listening who's maybe aware of uh, the Stanhope world or whatever, um, James Inman, who I uh, (laughs) talked about at one point on this podcast, is this guy who um, was in this group full of comedians that uh, were, like, booked by Doug Stanhope to do a tour called The Unbookables or whatever. Um, Anyway, then me and him got into some big weird internet fight well i I was thinking about that in the tour in the in the van because the van that we toured in is the the unbookables van it's from the unbookables tour and it's got a fucking thing on the back it says it's the unbookables tour and so i had this weird thing where i was like well i got this huge fight with james inman where he you know had a meltdown on me or whatever and now i'm like in his old house kind of and there's this, like, ghost of him in the back I don't don't know why we weren't tagging him in every single post,
4: (laughs) like, hashtagging like, the Unbookables it's not too late, we'll get a picture
1: of you like, at the back of the band, announcing Unbookables 3, (laughs) you know super Unbookable (laughs) it's also so funny because he, like, when when me and him got into that thing he was flexing on me real hard as a comedian or whatever, and was like, you know I could do fucking time, I could do sets around you in circles and all this shit, and it's like like, you know, for us both to have been touring in the Unbookables van, I think that means that neither of us are a comedian. <laughs> <laughs> it's like the like all the the you know reels you see on YouTube
4: of like the two high school kids punching each other at the same time, both knocking each other out and just falling <laughs> down. <laughs> yeah. Oh man. <laughs> the um. No, I mean I uh. The. I feel like Amarillo was a good. Sort of capstone, (laughs) where
1: uh, I think we were each on separate quests here, and something definitely happened to you in Amarillo, where you took a turn, man. The um,
4: so to recap, Amarillo, like we had been, I had been through there like six months ago, and I lost a ton of, I just left a fucking whole load of laundry in the dryer, which that's like as valuable as gold when you're on the road. And we went back, came back through, and then. The, my fucking laundry, six months later, my laundry was there clean and folded waiting for me. Um, and I was just this fucking weird road miracle. And then, uh, I'd had a, like, I, I went into the doctor for, uh, uh, for a, like a full checkup when I was in New York and I got my, my lab work back 20 minutes later. And I was like, um, this, oh, it like fucking everything was good. Everything was great. And, um, so I was like, you know. Jake, I can't drink, so you're going to get drunk tonight uh, to celebrate. Um, I, I feel like, I don't know if you, if you said something uh, non committal or snide, of like, well, you, or of like, uh, God forbid, or, uh, or if it was something of like, well, you can't force me to get drunk. Yeah. Um, and then I just had the, and I don't like think on stage. I just fucking say my stuff. I'm not a fucking riffing guy. I don't like. Yeah. Um, But then I just had the idea of, I was like, uh, ladies and gentlemen, uh, you know, please help me celebrate tonight uh, Jake Flores' birthday. Uh, uh, he loves tequila. I have no idea if you like tequila. I just assumed I hate tequila. I assumed you hated it too. And I was like, what's the worst thing I can think of?
1: He really loves Jaeger bombs. Yeah. Uh, I actually do kind of like Jaeger bombs, but I know they're uh, bad for me. Um, uh, I do like tequila. Uh, there are d- drinks that I hate, and I'm not going to tell you what they are now <laughs> <laughs> for the next
4: tour. And then. Uh, just what's you're such a, pr, a practice practiced drunk, uh, which that's a weird compliment. Uh, that it's impossible to to really see like uh you know a huge change in your demeanor. Um, which I don't know if that means you hold your alcohol well or you're just wet brained, but uh, but at one point I saw you get uh, it's like your walk got a little squiggly, yeah,
1: and uh, and also you seemed happy for, for a brief moment. That's how you know when to cut me off. <laughs> I'm smiling, Jake appears to be having a good time. I uh, I I one more uh- round of piss for my friend. <laughs> I've always been really uh, good at not seeming drunk and I think it's because I started drinking when I was real young and like uh you know did dumb shit, like drove around the neighborhood and would have to deal with cops and stuff and so like uh one time I remember I was out in front of the beauty room in Austin and no one I guess could tell I was shit faced and um was just standing around smoking a cigarette and I had the cigarette backwards. I had lit it um you know, (laughs) the smoke in the filter or whatever. And uh my friend Eric came up to me and he went Hey He pointed at the cigarette and he went, turn it around. I went what? He went turn it around, and then I spun in a circle, and then kept smoking the cigarette. <laughs> and he was like, "That's oh my, amazing! Oh my god, <laughs> are you in there?" You know? <laughs> and I didn't do it as a bit. I literally was like, "Turn it around! <laughs> How can I get rid of this guy?" <laughs> yeah. Well, I feel like the show before that, you were kind of uh, you know unhappy with some things, and then after that, um, if I was going to be a uh, if I was doing a tarot reading about our tour, like we had talked about at one point, that, that uh, would remind me of the trope of the wheel of fortune, uh, <laughs> which is um, it's a wheel, you know, and it's got fucking things on all four corners of the card, and the understanding you're supposed to get from it is that it's life is a constant. Even though in, in the moment you feel a certain way, it's like things go back up, and then sometimes the fucking the opposite night will happen, and you know things feel terrible, and they come back down or whatever but but um, I felt good you seemed like you were having a much better time after that yeah yeah the well I mean part of it is like just getting your legs on the road
4: and this is sort of a short run and like it was after um, after Amarillo where I felt like both of us just sort of like did battle that night and then and then I was like good and okay with things from there on out but also I mean it's like you you forget I mean we we imagine there's all these things that we imagine to be static or binary of like, Forgiveness, You know, that you forgive someone and then it's over. You know, it's like I, I have to forgive my dad basically every day I'm awake. It's just to remind myself, you know, no, yeah. he's forgiven. He's forgiven, you know. And shit like that. And, um, you know, when you learn stuff on the road and then you forget it and you have to sort of like, you know, relearn it. And you reminded me of that, of like just... Regardless of how the audience reacts or doesn't react, like was your set good? Did you did you line shit up in the right way? Did you did you say it correctly? Did you hit the fucking beats you wanted to hit? You know, and then if you did, then it's a good night. You know, and um, and then also I I I gotta find the source of this quote, but uh, don't play to the empty seats. You know, like when you're at a show, there's gonna be people. There's gonna be Um, there's going to be empty seats you're not playing to those people get that out of your fucking head
1: play to the people who are there you know yeah one thing I noticed about watching Mark Marin one time live which he's you know comedy's father at this point and he's our idiot you know boomer dad and he's a punchline he's easy to make fun of but I mean he didn't get that way on accident he's very good at stand up when he chooses to be and uh, I just remember being in the audience one time and noticing that he makes direct eye contact with people and I was like that's insane and it totally works
4: Dude, I saw him in uh, the basement of UCB in, like, 2005, which was uh, before I got sober and before he got, like, Marin famous. Yeah. And it was me and, like, 20 or 25 other people, and it was not funny, but it was uh, it was memorable. Yeah. And it was incredibly moving, and he was basically just sort of talking about how his life fell apart, and, like... And I went up to him afterwards, and I was like, man, I I can't say that, like, I enjoyed that, but... <laughs> It helped me, you know, and it did. And you didn't really talk about sobriety or whatever, but that w- that ended up being one of the things that sort of uh, pushed me to finally, like, get my shit together. And, uh, and I, you know, and I mean, I guess it still informs what I do today of, like,
1: not everything is funny. <laughs> Another theme of the tour. Yes. Who are you guys? No, I'm not going to do marin shit. Um, <laughs> <laughs> well... I mean, this this has been interesting for me because, you know, you run a house for wayward comedians and fucking <laughs> broken people. Don't put that on the podcast. Right, you, we'll, that, we'll cut that's that out. That's fine. That's fine. <laughs> that's fine. <laughs> we won't tell anyone where we are. <laughs> Undisclosed location. Yeah. Um, but I certainly needed to come out here. And uh, this whole thing ended on an interesting note for me, which is that I, uh, our last show was on Valentine's Day. <laughs> <laughs> which seemed I'm gonna tell the story Good. Go <laughs> it seemed too on the nose It almost seemed like Did you book us a sad bastard tour That ends on Valentine's Day <laughs> you know? I, I know <laughs> But uh <laughs> Something pretty funny Happened to me the other night Which is that I got I Fucking lit. We got here I, I had one more You know Night of Shows to play and I had three fucking shows To kind of cap off this tour Plus you know The one I did the other night But the I was exhausted The third show I did the other night on fucking Valentine's Day, some chick heckled me from the audience, and uh, I guess she heckled me so hard that we ended up making out afterwards, (laughs) and it was, uh, it was A, that's hilarious, and uh, you know, that's that's a pretty good comedy story, um, and I'll, you know, keep that in my pocket forever, but the other thing that happened is that I hung out with her, and she ended up being, you know, uh, way too human, and, um, you know told me a lot of stories about, you know, why she was out here. We're both kind of, you know, touring or transient or whatever and just bumped into each other, I suppose. Um, But she told me a lot of stories involving, you know, death and hospitals and misery and all this stuff that I won't, like, you know, air dirty laundry or fucking go into or whatever. But uh, it kind of made me, you know, not that misery is a contest or whatever, but it did definitely put things in perspective and, you know... And then I also realized, oh, that's why this person is out here fucking uh, traveling around and getting fucked up and heckling comedy shows, whether <laughs> whether or not I agree with that one. You know, <laughs> you go, um, you know, you look at people sometimes and you realize, oh, life's very short and we're all going to fucking die. And uh, and that kind of had a weight on me and it put a, a, a period on the end of this tour for me a little bit where I went, maybe that's part of what I should be taking home from this, you know? Um I feel a little bit uh, less like certain things are extremely important that I maybe thought were before. Um, and this feels weird to be saying as someone who's getting older I guess because you're supposed to then you know settle down and become more normal but I guess maybe there's a fork in the road at some point where I'm like nope. It's gonna get weirder I guess. You know, yeah. And I have to pick one or the other. Mm. Um, but yeah that shit was fucking crazy. <laughs> the um I, I love the like Doogre, doogie Hauser
4: ending to that of the like I really learned a lot from that <laughs> <laughs> the, like,
1: I did man the, uh, those are the, the people that, those are the people that I learned shit from are like the the people I fight with you know the yeah. people I do battle with <laughs> the um
4: uh it's my birthday today. <laughs> I'm turning 42 years old. I'm fucking depressed as hell. Part of it I think is just like chemical depression of like the end of tour. But then there's also the just the very real thing of, like, I'm the youngest now that I will ever be. The last thing I feel before I go to sleep is pain. The first thing I feel when I wake up in the morning is pain. I fucking, like, you know, dive for the bottle of Advil in the morning the way I used to fucking dive for a Coors Light. Like, you know, and it's like, oh, it's all downhill from here. You know, it's like, what's the... Like, if, are, are you fucking kidding me? Um, but, um, you know, I mean, that's like... That was one of the things about, uh, you know, quitting drinking is I was just like, uh, I just got to find a way to live, you know? Yeah. And, um, I mean, hopefully that's like some of the shit that you got out of this tour of like, we got to move forward, you yeah. know? And like just finding a way to fucking stumble forward.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Well, this has been True Detective. This season. my. <laughs> that was
4: <it>. uplifting as <laughs> shit.
1: Um... Time's a flat circle, babe.
4: <laughs> the... Tour is a flat circle. <laughs> um, do you want me to play a song? Hell yeah.
1: All right. Um, absolutely. Let me grab a guitar and I'll tune it up. And yeah. Finish. We'll put a cap on this thing, but. Playing a song. Um, I'll probably go back and. Uh... <laughs> And maybe you know, put a, give you a proper intro before we launch into this interview or whatever. So I just realized my listeners uh, who are like probably fans of mine, a lot of them probably know who you are because you know, people come out to these shows and stuff. But uh, but some may not. And so if you don't know Mishka Shubali's music, um, I'm a big fan of his. Uh, quite literally, that's uh, I met him because I was hanging out at one of his shows. And then his career uh, went down when mine was going up. <laughs> and, uh, Dick. Now we're t- now we're touring, <laughs> either because I'm successful or because he's doing bad. You know, depending on how you look at it. But uh, <laughs> but um, in Michigan You play um music that uh is you know loved by uh, the depressed, and the drunk, and um the sad, and it's very lyrically. Brilliant, and uh, I'm a, I'm very into it. And also, um, if you like Mishka's music, he's a phenomenal writer, and you should read his books and everything—Amazon, uh, Kindle, singles, etc. Um, but yeah, so I guess in order to uh, to put a cap on this, you're gonna play us a couple songs.
4: Yeah, uh, this song is called "This Road Has Tolls." It's a line that uh, Glenn Wool stole from Google Maps, and I'm stealing it back. <laughs> <laughs>
5: Cause you poked me with a stick while I crawled
1: Saying that, which What's... is that uh, I was like, oh yeah, like I've heard you play this song, you know, on these shows, and I was like, man, I'm really glad I'm recording this so I can like listen to it later if I want to. <laughs> I wonder why people don't do that. Well, I was like, wait a minute, I just invented, like, I just, <laughs> I just invented the age-old practice of recording music <laughs> so you can listen to it. Are you gonna, are you gonna write Back to the Future? <laughs> <Is that you? laughs> this wacky idea. Is? mitchka synchronicity great scott <laughs> um, i called us rick and morty earlier that's based on back to the future god damn it i'm going crazy <laughs> uh this is it this is the end of the tour for sure we've had like five ends of the tour <laughs> um we're recording this a little bit after we recorded that last section because uh i don't know podcasting or whatever Uh, i didn't really know where to end this thing but since then uh we did the moth Uh, i fucking won and that was the end of the tour (laughs) and now it's the end of the tour again it's like a coke fuck you know you're like no i'm there oh wait no no, let's try it again (laughs) yeah uh but i did remember something since you know we stopped recording and you always remember shit right after you stop recording uh, I think the period I wanted to put on this whole tour and on uh, what we were talking about in terms of, like, writing on the road and stuff is uh, that last song you played is something I noticed that became a song this tour. And the last time we went out, about six months ago, that was something that had just happened to you and that was fresh. uh, And you were writing jokes about it, kind of. And It's interesting to see, like, where... uh, I don't know what happened in between, you know, the six months between these tours or whatever. But the thing I've been thinking about in terms of um, using this, like, the act of performing as a way of, you know, beating out these bits and songs and stuff and, like, uh, processing this stuff creatively... To me, it seems like the only way to do this anymore. I really don't like doing stand-up in New York that much because it feels very static. It's like, oh, I can write you the songs, the songs, uh, I can (laughs) fucking do the jokes that I already wrote but I'm not really living in them and I feel like I'm very much living in them when we're out here doing this shit like every night. Um, And I felt that way when we did The Moth the other night and we both had like stories to tell that were kind of like, we were like writing them in the seats before we went up and stuff. (laughs) Um well it's it's interesting for me
4: too because it, there is this sort of like uh like hot potato heartbreak that we've been sort of tossing back and forth where like the last time that we went out I was just like totally fucking ripped up and raw, and you were like, no man love is real <laughs> <laughs> yeah <laughs> and, uh, and uh yeah, it swung the other way uh the um uh but it, it's I mean it one of the things that I heard that was good um, and interesting and sort of speaks to this was um, it was actually a I think it's a minister in Denver, um, somebody who's I don't, I don't know if they're affiliated with the Moth or whatever, but she wrote about she, what she said was uh, write from the scar, not the wound, you know, which is to say that you know sometimes sometimes like shit happens to you and you can just fucking write about, and you're like oh, a funny thing happened to me on the way to the stadium. And but other times there are things that happen to you that where like knock something loose inside you and you have to like sort of give it a minute for shit to settle or for or for you for that sounds sounds really fucking new age but for you to heal (laughs) enough that you can
1: put pressure on that part you know just be present and just. Heat your crystals up in the microwave. The, you know, it opens them up. To, No, I know what you mean, though, because, like, uh, especially uh, for me as, like, a stand-up, like, it's so fucking weird when your life changes because all the material you're writing is on a delay. So when you go on tour, you're like, I've spent the last two years, like, cooking this material that's all, like, for me, the shit that I was performing every night was, like, really manic and, like, uh, you know extroverted and about like society and stuff and then i'd get off stage and be like ah, you because know, <laughs> i'm processing all this personal stuff and it wasn't until the end of the tour that i even got to a point where i was like oh i can now sort of write about the shit that i was feeling at the beginning of the tour that i'm now not anymore because it's like starting to scab over and shit uh but there's always this disconnect you kind of have with uh like any audience or like even just the shit you're personally working on you can't write the song right as you're, like, fucking, you know, seppukuing yourself over it, I guess.
4: It's, I mean, it's weird, because the, uh... I think of that set that uh Tig Notaro did, where she had, like, just gotten the cancer diagnosis or something. Yeah. And, and there is a thing that happens where it's sort of like your life experience crystallizes enough that then it, it becomes material. And we are sort of, like, farming our own grief or our own embarrassment or humiliation or whatever into, um, like, all right, I'm going to put this to a three-, four-time signature with a jaunty hook, you know, and, like, this will make the kids buy T-shirts or this will make somebody feel something. or yeah, it'll get the kids to bop. <laughs> yes. The, um... But the... So the... You know, there there's a line in the, in the last song, uh, This Road Has Tolls, about crying as fast as I can. And that was, like, the second day of what turned out to be a five-month run, <laughs> you know, and um, I've just, I mean, I guess I should just tell the, I, I, so, sure, yeah. I, so I, like I was driving and I, I just ended a relationship and like driven away from, you know, a girl I was still totally in love with. And then uh, you had this thing happen of like, you know, it's the, the second day on the road. I'm halfway through the second seven hour drive And I, like, looked at my phone and saw a picture of the woman who was now my ex, who had up until that point been my girlfriend, you know, saw a picture of her on Instagram, and she just looked, like, so beautiful and so happy without me, and and all and both so present and so like immediately like i could have fucking just turned around and gone back to her but also is the kind of thing where it's like a death where it's like oh they're lost forever like people who are fucking alive yesterday or dead today and um and i just started crying as hard as i've ever fucking cried just like instant Snot tears, uh, con- like fucking convulsing, convulsing behind the wheel.
1: It'd be so funny if you got pulled over by a cop and he was like, Excuse me, sir. And then you rolled out the window and he's just like horrified. <laughs> I feel like I have had a run in like that
4: with the cops before where they're like, Ah, fuck it, man. Just, you're fine. Like, I don't even, we don't, we don't want to know. Yeah. The, uh, <laughs> a guilty man can't cry that hard. <laughs> the, uh, And, and so when I was crying that hard, I fucking, I just like took my foot off the accelerator for a split second and slowed down a bit. And somebody honked at me and without even thinking about it, I just said, fuck you. I'm crying as fast as I can. And, uh, in that moment, it was not funny at all. It was just like, just a raw nerve. But then, but then I was trying to do my like prepared material that night on stage yeah. and I was falling apart. And I was like, fuck it. You guys like this is this is just going to be a weird show. And I, it, here's why this is going to be a weird show. And I told them exactly what had happened. And without even thinking that people would respond to it one way or another. But just that I it's like vomiting. I was just like, oh, I'm just have to get it out. And everybody laughed. And then they all fucking paid attention and zeroed in. And then that, you know, the like crying as fast as I can thing, that just became the sort of theme that came up again and again um, in that tour. Um, and then now it's in a song and it feels weird because it's it's sort of it's like, you know, writing an inside joke about, like, shitting your pants or something into a song, and then every people will hear it and laugh and or sing along, and the whole time you're like,
1: uh, that was a moment of profound discomfort. And yeah. It went from being sad to a joke and then back to being sad in a song somehow a bunch of times. Yeah. In a way that might have been lost on the, I guess, if an external listener was trying to track, or what does this mean? But, I mean, I saw the whole thing so it makes perfect sense well it's you know it's like
4: watching somebody just sort of like uh flipping a knife and catching it in in the bar and like sometimes they catch the handle and sometimes you catch the blade Yeah. (laughs) and um but what's weird for me is that then when we did the moth the other night now like you know I talked to Maddie and she was like I forgive you and now we have a good sort of weird post relationship relationship and uh you haven't made peace with shit. Oh yeah, I and, was
1: cried on stage the other night.
4: Yeah, that was <laughs> that. That was weird. It was weird for me watching you doing that because I was feeling for you, and also I was like, oh god damn it! Finally, I'm seeing fucking Jake feel an emotion <laughs> for <laughs> once on this goddamn tour. I mean, it's like that's one of the reasons I like touring with you. Is that if I'm like, all right, the show got canceled tonight, you're like, all right, and if I'm like, there's a thousand pre sales, so you're like, all right. You know and you're unflappable and then this it was like so as like as your friend I was like happy to see you finally like starting to deal with that shit and as somebody who cares about you I was like you know oh god I can see that that hurts. And also, as somebody who was competing against you, I was like, motherfucker, you
5: just won. (laughs) (laughs) You're going to cry. of all these people, they're going to love you for it.
1: (laughs) That's the most perverted part of this when you see your friend, like, going through some shit, and you're like, oh, they're going to make so much, like, they're going to get so many likes out of this. I know. know. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. This is going to fucking crush. (laughs) I I remember watching uh, Christine
4: Levine perform, and she was just killing. And I was like, man... I wish I was really fat and really sick so I could have material like that. And then I was like, you're a fucking asshole. Like, the, um, but it's, yeah, I mean, I don't know that I have any kind of like fucking summary about that. You know, the, like the too long don't read of like, this is the moral of like, that's, this is when your grief becomes material or becomes a joke, or this is when it, it stops being, you know, something that, you know, you have to fucking go cry in the bathroom at Chuck E. Cheese, or it's a bit, you yeah. know? But,
1: um, they. Yeah, I mean, I don't have an answer, and I also don't even have a proper question. I just kind of tend to like. I think you're kind of a fool if you get to the end of one of these things and you're like, and that's why this was the greatest summer vacation ever. Like, if there's like a point to it. Yeah. But if you just poke it with a stick and fucking turn it around a bunch of times, you might be able to glean something out of it just by even turning this microphone on and then us, like, having a conversation where we're like, all right, I have to find some meaning in the next 10 minutes or something. But, um yeah, I don't know. I mean, the, you, you, like, most important, you know, things in life, uh, more question marks. I don't know. <laughs> well, I mean, the other thing,
4: too, is that, I mean, I think that's what, you know, we talked, too, about, like... Um, you know, doing the same set, hitting the same marks, hitting the, you know, the same jokes for different crowds every night. And some nights, like, a fucking joke will kill. You know, and, like, the... Uh, you didn't do your funniest bits for The Moth the other night, but you got your biggest laughs. Because that was a, a crowd that's not, like, a comedy <laughs> crowd with their arms folded of, like, Alright, let's see how fucking funny you are, funny man. Yeah, well,
1: also, like, the uh, those crowds are, like, such a... They have a certain psychology to them where, like... If I did, what is, I think, my funniest bits, they would have been horrified. Right, if I got yeah. got I and done yeah. the fucking uh, McGruff the Crime Dog prolapse asshole joke, yeah. they wouldn't have gone for it. But I watched that audience, and, like, it, the fucking, the NPR-type crowds are so funny because, like, they're adults, but if you say, like, ass, they go like, oh ho, ho, you know, because they're kind of square. And so, yeah, it, uh, I think you were right, though. I mean, you kind of advised me on which jokes would probably work, and you were... You're right. Uh, so. Well, it's it's, but it
4: was funny too. Like to to be there that like for us. I just found out whatever 24 hours before. I was like, oh fuck, the moth's happening. We're going. You're doing this, um, and then th- sitting there with you because I've done a, a ton of those things, and I was hearing the stories and then listening to you think, and I could sort of hear you making. Because you you're an inveterate performer. It's what you do, and it, you know the the thing we were talking about in the car of like taking a bite of food and instantly being able to see the entire list of ingredients. You know, it's like yeah. um, the so I could hear you making decisions in making calculated like reptilian decisions in your mind of like this is going to work, this isn't going to work, the percentage of this pro- working, the probability of this working, and but then you went up there. And with these, you know, sort of like statistical analysis of how do I beat this, this Rubik's cube, um, but then you felt a thing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, so it, it, it's like, you know, and that's the, that's the point where it becomes real, you know, where it like, um, digital reverb, it's an algorithm. But at
1: a certain point,
4: it stops being zeros and ones, and it's just a sound, and it it, it evokes
1: an emotion. When you play a song, you're using chords that you sat and learned and trained your hand to turn into the claw that makes a fucking C chord or whatever, and so you were using you're you're filling a structured thing with the you know weird ether like uh, crazy personal you know un un uh, quantifiable thing so you're making like a mishmash of those two things and for me that's like i that's how i know how to write a story or whatever especially with that audience especially with the moth because it was like well i already have the skills to speak publicly even though this isn't exactly stand-up or whatever like yeah i was like kind of trying to figure out how to crunch how to build like a fucking container to fill with what i was going to talk about um so it's weird because it's not entirely synthetic and it's not entirely completely you know just fucking uh, uh pure or whatever but that's also like what creativity kind of is you know the uh
4: I, I feel like the the moment where you start, sort of started to lose it a little bit it, it was sort of like a a magician who's an expert at like close magic getting up there and like doing the trick and then accidentally making the assistant actually disappear. (laughs) You know, that like you're, um, you know, we get up there like sort of trying to perform illusions and then every once in a while, actual magic happens. (laughs) And when it does, it's fucking, I mean, it's a thrill. It's definitely, but it's also unnerving, you know I mean? It's like we are gambling addicts, you know, and that's why, we keep coming back to performing is because every, you can fucking do the same thing every single night, and every single night you get a fucking different result, um, and and that's why it's interesting. But um, I don't know. It all came together a few night Man, that was fu- that was great.
1: Well, uh, maybe if it comes out in time, I'll link to this. Although I, the more I'm thinking about it, I'm like, you know, I posted like oh, I won the moth, and all these people are like, can I hear it? And I'm like. Ah, maybe not. <laughs> that sucked. Like that's, and it was like, uh, it was like that moment where, in the middle of it where I was like getting fucked up about it. Part of it was because I was getting fucked up about it. Another part of it was because I was like, oh shit, what do I say next? I haven't really. Th- this is a rough draft, you know. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but um, yeah, I don't know. Um, well, the other thing is like rough draft. That's
4: life. Like, you don't... You know, your first day on the job, you don't fucking get to have six first days on the job to perfect the ultimate first day on the job. Like, you just have to fucking learn
1: how to cook the hamburgers on the fly or whatever. Yeah. Material also sucks when it's like, you know every beat in the fucking joke. Yeah. Because then you're not living in it anymore. Yeah. Um, I mean, if you're like a super fucking, like, uh, technical writer comedian, I guess it's, like, cool. It makes sense. But for me, like, as soon as I... As soon as I perfected a bit, I now it's not funny anymore. Like, it has to be almost fucking done. Otherwise, I feel like a robot. And if I feel like a robot, then I sound like a robot. Yeah. Wait, um, well, I
4: mean, if you think about it, um, like preparing a fine meal for somebody and taxidermy are very similar. And also radically different. <laughs> <laughs> you know, if like... If you were expecting roast beef and I brought out
1: a taxidermied raccoon,
4: well, you'd probably, you'd probably be delighted. <laughs> but,
1: I would think it was pretty cool. Uh, I'd probably put it next to that guitar you tried to sell me. Uh, for anyone listening, that Michigan tried to sell me a guitar that is uh, is still trying to sell you. <laughs> it's got the uh, it it's got like like granite sort of finish on it of like a kitchen countertop, and then someone apparently it was a great guitar, but someone who owned it before uh, you you carved Dimebag Daryl into the side of it with his own tiny guitar shredding a guitar on the guitar. So it's like when you see a truck with the mural of the truck on the back of the truck. (laughs) There's just a little guy playing a guitar on the guitar. He's playing heavy meta. Oh, God. (laughs) Tour's over. Tour's fucking over, yeah. Tour is canceled.
4: (laughs) Uh, I'm sorry for that. Like Sometimes
1: it just feels like farting in an elevator <laughs> oh my God. no no it's the only thing that makes me laugh anymore <laughs> the, the worst jokes uh yeah. <laughs> Mr. BMW and all that shit um well I uh I guess we should probably play this song I'll uh I'll ask you in the fashion of Jerry Springer if you have any final thoughts um uh, <laughs>
4: I mean, no. I just, I, I want to go to bed. I've got to get up early. Yeah. The, um, this has been a good one, though.
1: Yeah. You know, for sure, man. Um, I, from this tour, I feel like I definitely am going to be on the road a bunch after this. So, you know, until we meet again, I suppose.
4: Yeah. It's, it's weird. I mean, we we're talking today about the, like, how to be, uh, uh, a songwriter or a performer or whatever, like part of what you learn is like returning emails or how to fucking market yourself or all that shit. And like the, uh, I, I have a weird bittersweet thing about it. Cause I feel like I learned so much more about storytelling, writing jokes, performing, uh, m- managing your mental illness on the road, uh, f- like from you being on this trip. And I feel like I gave you the like, um, how to I, i'm the like paperclip guy in the microsoft word it's <laughs> like yeah here's how here's how to fucking get a guarantee for a show or whatever yeah but that shit's integral
1: you know oh yeah absolutely i mean i've been doing this for a long time and i am like yeah no i don't have a good solid like program in my head for that i still have the disease of a a fucking self-conscious comedian where someone's like how much money do you need for this and i'm like ah whatever you can spare and it's it's not how you fucking do this you know yeah
4: yeah. bill's gotta get paid yeah all right should i fucking play us out
1: yeah clippy clippy uh (laughs) right clicking on clippy the bearded fucking office assistant and going play me a song so we can (laughs) we can end this podcast Uh, I'm gonna do one of these poppers while this happens. (laughs) Uh, There's the capstone. The uh, what you call that a popper? I'm not gonna do a hard one because I
4: still have to (laughs) operate this this (laughs) computer. Sort um, of a nice little buzz. uh, What is this song called? Uh, You are the song.
1: Cool.
5: sound engineer you were the green room carpet the stale smell of beer you were the lingering presence as the sun died in the room you were the drink ticket
1: To do the popper, uh, uh, you call that a papa? He's <laughs> a papper.